0: Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is interim ministry. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda zenzel and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon.
1: And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so if I knew little about the call process, I know even less about what interim ministry is, but I'm (laughs) guessing it's some sort of short-term position for a rostered leader? Correct. Okay,
0: so what is it then beyond that? This is the person who will come into a congregation in transition or location in transition and help be the interim placement between when there is a called rostered leader serving that place and before the next person comes in. Okay, so what we're talking about specifically is the pastor
1: gives notice that they want to move on and serves until there is an interim pastor
0: found. Actually, what normally happens is that the rostered leader gives their notice Mm -hmm. and moves on and an interim pastor is appointed by the bishop's staff to serve a congregation in transition. So an interim rostered leader is not a call. Correct. They are appointed. Mm, Okay. They come in and they serve until such time as that appointment is complete. Either they're needed in another location or... There is a mutual understanding that the time has come to a close or that a new call has been found. The next rostered leader to serve that site has been located, and so the interim has come to a conclusion. And so that's how long the interim will be there. For some, it might be six months. For some, it could be two years. For some, it could be longer. That's wild. And this is
1: basically all according to the Synod and the Bishop of the Synod.
0: In consultation with and working alongside of the interim pastors, the interim rostered leaders, and the Synod staff, yes.
1: So can you just be an interim pastor, or is it something that you kind of get stuck doing because they need you?
0: There are those who have a very strong call to this kind of particular ministry. Uh Uh-huh. And— there are specific sets of skills for this particular ministry. And there's actually particular training. So even above and beyond the kind of regular training that we have as fostered leaders, there is a particular training for interim ministry. Really, there is. And so specifically trained interim ministers will have certain skills that maybe other pastors or other rostered leaders don't carry and when they come into a congregation they will come in with very specific boundaries and objectives that they want to meet and help the congregation meet it's a different kind of work that you're doing when you come in and you know you're only there for a short amount of time and you're coming in able to make some changes because you're not going to be there mm-hmm. long-term. Mm-hmm. You're there in a time of transition to help a congregation make a transition. Man, I had sort of a
1: understanding that it was going to be like retired pastors who were like, sure, I'll take something for a short-term time, but this is something very intentional and different, right?
0: It can be both of those. Sometimes there are congregations that they have something more along the lines of pulpit supply. Okay. They may not have the resources or the call might be such a small amount of time that they have the capacity to pay for that really it's pulpit supply that they're looking for. Someone to come in and preach for them on Sundays, help lead worship, maybe do a little bit of pastoral care here and there for emergencies. But beyond that, they're not looking for someone to help them update their documentations or help them develop a budget or build out new programs or set visioning for the future. They're really just looking for someone to preach and maybe do some hospital visits. And that a retired rostered leader can do very, very well and might be very well equipped for. But if you have a congregation that is In the midst of programmatic changes and programmatic growth, if you have a congregation that has a major building program going on or is with a a lot of staff Mm -hmm. and has a staff to manage, then you'll want someone with specific sets of skills to come in and step into that leadership role who can help with things like, well, how is your documentation going in this transition are you current with the Secretary of State? When was the last time that your Constitution was updated? These kinds of questions are things that can get lost in the day to day of ministry mm-hmm. very easily. But as an interim, you can come in and ask some hard questions. If you step on a couple of toes, it's not going to ruin the next 10 years of relationships. Mm-hmm. And you can help a congregation clean out closets and recycle some papers and get some things done very quickly that would be very hard to do in other moments. And a trained and a skilled interim rostered leader can do an incredible amount of very, very particular ministry in a short amount of time. Where does this training come from? Is that something that the ELCA provides or is it synod specific It's something I believe that the ELCA provides, but there's also in Oregon, a very strong cohort of interim pastors and Hmm. our interim rostered leaders actually meet on a regular basis. And in the same way that we have deans from every cluster, our interims have their own dean as well. And so the deans of our clusters kind of look over and try to help support the camaraderie among the different congregations of a regional area. And the dean of the interims helps to kind of foster that among the rostered leaders who serve as our interims here in Oregon. That's fascinating.
1: Okay, so you are assigned an interim. What if it just isn't going to work? I mean, how, how much do the two sides, let's just say, try to get along before the bishop is like, fine, I'll get you a new one?
0: That's a good question for a bishop. (laughs) Fair (laughs) point. And I don't know. I really don't. I think it really depends. Mm -hmm. Interim ministry can be very hard. It can be very lovely. It can be very exciting. And I think you really have to step into it in different ways and different places. To find out what is or what isn't a good match, it takes a ton of discernment and a bunch of wisdom on everybody's part. So it would definitely have to be in strong conversation with the Senate office and a lot of prayer. I know that's a non-answer, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's an answer.
1: I'm guessing that if the opposite were true... It would also take a lot of discernment and discussion with the bishop that if the interim was like, this is the best gig I've ever found, I would really like to work with this congregation more. It's still not up to the interim pastor. I'm guessing you still have to kick it back to the bishop who then kicks it back to the congregation. For them to be able
0: to stay or be eligible for the call? Yeah. I believe, at least it used to be, that the interim is not eligible to serve in a call. Wow. In that congregation. If you are serving as the interim pastor, you are not eligible to interview. That's
1: fascinating.
0: Because that's part of it, Mm -hmm. is that you are there intentionally to serve as the rebound of sorts. You are intentionally there to change the patterns and to get in there. And even if it's going great, like Central's interim was a fantastic match, the interim before I arrived. It was a fantastic match but to get into that have a great match and then shift and change the dynamic of the relationship that had begun with the supposition of this is a temporary match mm-hmm. would fundamentally change the basis and the foundation of the relationships And that undoes something Mm -hmm. that changes and shifts the relationships and the way that they work. And so I think that it's wise. And every rule, of course, is meant to be broken and the Holy Spirit will blow where she will. And I think it is an exception that it is a wise thing to call an interim to a call where they've been serving as an interim. Interesting. Okay, so
1: we sort of talked around it that... The congregations are in transition and the interim is their short term. What kind of tasks are they doing? Is it just a job where you're there to give communion when it's necessary and give a sermon on Sunday? You're there for a lot of other things.
0: Okay. You're there in some ways to help kind of usher along the call process But also you're not a part of the call process.
1: I didn't think that was going to be a smart move. (laughs) Like they're definitely not
0: going to be on the call committee. No, definitely (laughs) Uh not. But they are there to be like, okay, how's that mission site profile coming along? Y'all are doing great. Good job. Right. Uh To help and encourage and to answer questions and to make certain that everyone is talking to the bishop's office and emails are getting answered and just to keep the process moving. So it's not that the rostered leader is actively involved in it as much as simply sheepdogging mm-hmm. and making certain that everyone is still moving forward. And whether it's grief or fear or simply getting stuck in one place, that nothing holds the congregation back from continuing moving forward. So the interim pastor is there for that purpose. All the normal stuff of being the church pastor. So helping to make certain that council meetings are still going, helping to make certain that pastoral care is still being supplied, that word and sacrament are being rightly administered, that confirmations are happening, that baptisms are happening and communion is happening, all of those things. And also to do some checking up on some of those other pieces. How are the legal documents going? What is the state of... Those kind of pieces that might get lost, especially towards an end of a ministry where people are getting a little tired. Mm -hmm. How's the database? How's the parish record books? How are the processes of recording council minutes? Where's the information on how to use the photocopier? And who knows how to turn on the furnace? All that kind of institutional knowledge that may or may not have been with the previous pastor, how is that going to get transferred to the next rostered leader? Who are the people who hold that knowledge? How is it going to be shared? That kind of stuff, an interim pastor can begin to kind of suss out Mm -hmm. and untangle And create pathways or encourage the congregation to own it more themselves, depending upon how the previous rostered leader held power or didn't. And if there were conflicts, of course, Mm -hmm. then that interim is going to come in and help tease out and do healing work around those conflicts. So there's lots of work that can be done. Sometimes it can simply be that the interim comes in and just loves a place, just gives them tons of love Mm -hmm. and helps them to know that they are loved and that's what they need for a while. It all depends on the context and what's happening in a specific congregation, but that's some of the stuff that I have heard of being part of that work of interim ministry.
1: So what happens if you have more congregations that need this in their transition than there are trained interims? Are you just stuck with whomever can show up on Sunday?
0: So this is a very, very, very real challenge in Oregon and across the ELCA right now. Is this going hand in hand with that quote unquote pastor shortage? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. It very much is. So as we have more and more rostered leaders retiring and coming to retirement age Mm -hmm. and fewer and fewer rostered leaders available to serve in calls, and particularly as the calls that are available are quarter and half time. Sure. Sure and congregations are not looking to join with other congregations or to be yoked together or to join congregations, but really want to maintain their own autonomy, there are not enough rostered leaders, and particularly not enough trained interims to serve all of the congregations in transition. And so in Oregon, the bishop's office is... Right now, actively seeking to imagine a different way of doing this. Okay. To still prioritize intentional interim ministry. So something that is an intentional time between calls, Mm -hmm. but also something that recognizes there may not be an availability to have a rostered leader do all of that kind of healing or documentation work or that kind of stuff, as well as do sermons and those kinds of pieces. But maybe there's enough retired clergy and retired rostered leaders to do pulpit supply and pastoral care and visitations. So maybe, maybe it'll be something like a retired rostered leader who does pulpit supply, and a consultant who can come in and help with the administrative congregational transformational work and looking towards the future work. So it may shift and change, Mm -hmm. but it's still an intentional time between rostered leaders. That's fascinating. Do you think this
1: consultant would have to be somebody who has like specific seminary like training or is it something completely different business world related?
0: I don't know that it would necessarily be business world related, but I think that there would be amazing deacons, Mm -hmm. right? They may not be word and sacrament. I think word and service could come into this space Mm -hmm. and do amazing work in word and service to lead congregations through that kind of a space. And it would open up that kind of work to word and service in a way that could be really juicy. I think that there's some fantastic opportunity for individuals who have a sacred heart, but also business savvy, mm-hmm. who could be in that consultant kind of a space. So individuals who may have law background, but also do have some theology within them or some sacred background or some study with them, that they are able to blend those things together and journey into that kind of space and place. Or a congregation that's been in some major conflict, what if there was someone who had both a history in church work and a history in counseling that could come in as a consultant for a congregation like that but they wouldn't necessarily be rostered right those are the kinds of opportunities that this kind of a model could open up which really opens up the priesthood of all believers and encourages us to begin to imagine what does it look like when we're not relying so heavily on this idea of Pastors as the only experts able to tell congregations how to be good congregations, Mm -hmm. which is a fallacy that we need to step away from, especially as we continue more and more down the road towards having fewer and fewer seminary trained experts, Mm -hmm. I say in air quotes, available to lead congregations into living their God-given gifts And I know all of that is very scary to say, and it's very scary for me to say as someone who is a professional Christian (laughs) and doesn't want to see the day when my job security is not as high. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the entire point of Christendom is that we work ourselves into knowing that we all have everything we need to do the work of God's kingdom in this world. And so I think it's a really fascinating, beautiful concept to imagine a different way forward and what we could look at as a scarcity problem. This is an invitation to shift our eyes to gaze towards an abundance solution. So there are my babbles. I'm not a part of the team working on it. I've only heard little bits and snippets. I'm praying for them. And hoping beyond hope that they are so excited about the possibilities. I do not envy them the dreaming and the creating that they're needing to do. That's gonna take some brainstorming to solve. Yeah.
1: Do you have any idea if generally people are staying at their calls longer or if that is shortening the same way that people aren't really staying at regular jobs? for the 15 years, 20 years, 30 years they used to, and now something closer to two to five years is average for a particular job?
0: That's a really interesting question. And I haven't heard any particular rumblings about that in the ELCA. I think that the patterns are likely staying about the same as they have always been.
1: And so it's not that there are people who are changing jobs more often, which makes the need for an interim pastor more obvious, it's the whole thing is scaling back systematically, right? Fewer pastors, fewer rostered leaders, fewer everything. And it just sort of makes a shortage. Does that well, make
0: sense? the thing that's happening is that we have all the boomer pastors retiring mm. and there are maybe, maybe eight to one boomer pastors to those of us who are younger. Mm-hmm. So any of the pastors who are in their 60s or older, there are eight of them to one of us, Uh and they're all retiring. And so it's just the reality that there are fewer of us than there were of them. Part of that is because when they attended seminary, It cost them approximately $500 a semester to attend seminary. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them, their churches paid for it. Mm -hmm. And for us, it costs thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. (laughs) And so it's a vastly different experience to attend seminary now than it was to attend seminary 50 years ago. And the amount of debt and the amount of hurdles that we have to jump, because many of many of them come from predecessor church bodies as well. Mm-hmm. So they went through an entirely different candidacy process, an entirely different seminary process. They have entirely different debt loads than we do. So for many of them, it was just a vastly different experience to get into ministry than for those of us who have gotten into ministry in the last 20 years. And so there are just simply fewer of us. And part of that, a big part of that is because we discourage people from entering into seminary. If they will end with too much debt for what our Mm -hmm. pay scales will allow them to be able to afford. Mm -hmm. If I had listened to Any of the three people I talked to before I entered seminary, I would not have gone because (laughs) all of them told me not to go because of the debt load. That is wild. And if I had listened to, like, even on my supervisor's report at my internship site, said, I am concerned about the debt load she will carry after seminary. Wow. And accurately so. Mm -hmm. So, That is a huge concern, and it will not be any different anytime soon. There is no major shift, even with the Fund for Leaders, which gives out major scholarships each year now that Mm -hmm. started about 15 years ago. Even with that, it is not sufficient to make enough of a difference to balance out the number of retirees that we have. Wow. That is going to be an interesting little tidbit to watch in the next coming
1: years. Yes, it will. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. A while ago when we talked about what a chaplain is, you were like, yeah, I thought about doing that. What about an Mm -hmm. interim pastor? Would you ever want to go down that road?
0: I don't think so. Not intentionally. Okay. I think it's a beautiful ministry. I think it's awesome. I think... I, will, I won't say no because the Holy Spirit has a sick sense of humor, and that will end me up in interim ministry <laughs> faster than anything else if I say no. So I'll say I have no idea. But one of the things that is a huge challenge for the interim ministers is that they move constantly mm-hmm. every couple of years to every couple of months. And it is just a constant shifting and moving. And while I am very comfortable with that, it is hard on partners and spouses. Sure. And I have come to value the peace and stability of not doing that to my partner too often. So for now, this does not hold much appeal. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn
1: a little more about interim ministry. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic.
0: As do I. And if you are the praying type, please keep our interim ministers in your prayers and the congregations that they serve. They are doing holy and hard work. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.